The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Top five movies. Movies. Top five. Hey everybody, welcome to Top Five Movies. I'm John Burke. And with me this week is only my guest, Craig Seibert. Hey, how you doing? Very well, sir. Um, Corey and Mike were unable to uh, be a part of this interview, but luckily, uh, Craig and I go way back, and so we're going to be kind of reminiscing a little bit, catching up, um, and then learning a little bit about Craig's movie history, and then hearing his all-time top five movies, where I will criticize him and make fun of him as much as possible. <laughs> Just like old times. <laughs> ah, there it is. Um <laughs> So how's it going, man? It's good. It's fantastic. I uh, I just got back from a conference, a learning development conference from Phoenix last week, so I'm trying to get back on regular time, but everything's going great. Fantastic. Um, and Craig and I, uh, we met um, playing music. Actually, I guess <laughs> when we met, I wasn't playing anywhere. I was managing a friend's band. Um, and I use, if you can't see, but I'm using quote fingers for managing because I, I basically just showed up <laughs> at the shows. Um, but uh, we met, and I ended up uh, auditioning for a band that uh, we we called Contrast at the time, which found out today, by the way, uh, there's a, I think, a pair of rappers who go by Contrast. Um, oh man! Because <laughs> I was, uh, I have my our music uploaded to my Google Play account because when you subscribe, you can like upload your own music to it. And nice. So I was looking for it, Contrast, and it like pulled up these two guys. I'm like, wait, that's not us. And then I like scroll down and it's it's lumping our album in with their albums on my Google Play. I'm like, well, that's weird. <laughs> it's like, at least you get a good mix of genres yeah. there. But um, <laughs> we were in a band called Contrast uh, for two, I think, just under two and a half years. I um, played a bunch of shows. My two of my biggest shows, like two of the highlights of my life, were opening for Seven Mary Three and Nonpoint uh, with this guy right here, with Craig as the lead guitar yeah. player. Yeah, I, you know, when I actually was born in Ohio, but I moved to Florida when I was about 12, floated between Tampa, Land Lakes, and Lakeland. And when I got to Lakeland, um, a friend of mine from high school, you know, wanted to start a band. And we started a band. We started playing the acoustic, picked up a drummer, picked up a bass player. The bass player didn't work out. And <laughs> there's actually pictures of us playing with the original bass player and John standing like in the stage, in front of the <laughs> stage, watching us. And then, like, two weeks later, he's, like, on the stage with us. <laughs> yeah, it, it was uh, good times. And, it, you know, I love those times when it was happening. And I look back now, and I love them even more. Like, which, at the time, I didn't think that could be possible, you know? Especially, it, no band ends well, I don't think. Like, we had, it, it was a little bit of a fallout. Um, yeah. But everybody, everybody's, you know, we're older and wiser, and we're, we've all mended. In fact, now that I think about it, I'd like to have the other guys all be guests on this podcast at some point. So... That would be awesome. <laughs> but, you know, um, we went through another change, too. We ended up with another drummer who uh, I had played with most of my life, in fact, um, that when I was a Mike. musician. Yeah, Mike Coxwell, um, who will surely be on this podcast at some point. He's, um, I, I spent, I mean, God, how many years with that dude playing in bands? Um, but I, I haven't played an instrument, like, actively for eight years. Um, so, so we're really going to have to get your chops up to have a reunion. Is that what you're saying? Big time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> although some of it, it is like riding a bike, man. It does come back pretty quick. 
Um, and I had a really, actually, I'll be playing a lot soon. Um, I had a cool moment. My daughter and I went and saw Lady Bird for uh, my third time, her second time, uh, this past Monday. And when we were leaving, she looked at me. She's like, I've been meaning to ask this for a while, but can I learn to play guitar? And I was like, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start right now. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm going to have to get my acoustic out and tune it up and uh, start showing her some chords. Um, and then I was like, I was like, are you sure you don't want to play bass? And she's like, well, is, isn't, <laughs> she's, isn't that harder? I'm like, no, it's a lot easier. <laughs> but I was well, like, it's it, it, it's different. <laughs> it is, it is. And I was like, you know what, though? I started with guitar, so we'll start you there, and then you can work your way around. Um, because, you know, that's where I started with guitar, and then I realized there was way more job opportunities as a bass player. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and proven as I, I kept, I went from band to band to band for a good six, seven years there. Um, but... Uh, Craig is a music enthusiast, um, so much so that you've started a podcast. I have. Um, music Musing is the podcast we started. I actually carried it um, on my blog, on my WordPress blog, um, for quite some time. Uh, I think we're up to episode 10. Um, but I just recently got it on iTunes. It's out there. If you look up Music Musing and look for my last name, Cybert, S-Y-B-E-R-T, you can find it out there. Uh, just have episode one and two up right now. It's... One and two were a little rough. We were kind of doing it as a trial to see if it was going to work. But uh, about every two weeks, I'm going to go ahead and release the next couple episodes. We're up to 10 if you want to go on the um, blog. But if you want to wait for it on iTunes where you can listen to it at whatever speed you want, it'll be out you know, a couple months and we'll have all of them out. Well, I, I listened to the first episode today, um, and the, the audio is a little rough. But I'll tell you, once it got going, I was like hooked, and I was excited to hear that. <laughs> Because I'm always nervous. Um, I, I'm nervous telling people about this podcast because I'm like, if you listen to it, I don't know that I want to hear from friends and family what you think. <laughs> like, right, exactly. <laughs> you know, so honest. Um, and like I had, last year, I had a student quote me from my podcast, and I was just like, I looked at him I'm like, you listen to me three days a week. You want to listen to me more? <laughs> like, <laughs> Um, well, I, you know, George and I, have been, my brother George and I have been talking about music probably for, well, since we were in the band together, we, we kind of started hooking up and talking again about music, my brother and I. And, um, you know, when the band started, that kind of triggered that. Ever since then, we've talked maybe once a week, maybe once every two weeks, we'll just get on a, a rant about something. We'll pick something, you know, the best guitar player or, you know, what album could we listen to front to back? And we just, I, I went, hey, why aren't we just at least sharing this with somebody somebody might find some just <laughs> some merit in it so yeah i mean and that's i realized um not long ago i mean there's there's a certain level of uh like i don't want to say egotistical but like to talk and think you know what other people need this and i'm saying that hosting three podcasts <laughs> now uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> but you know i like i do i i've been a listener of podcasts for I think I'm going on like seven years. Like I've been an avid listener of the Hollywood Babylon podcast with Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman. Um, I love Doug Loves Movies. is one of, easily my longest listening podcast. Um, I've listened to The Nerdist for a while, and then I've bounced around to tons of other podcasts. I'm right now I listen to Battleship Pretension slash Film uh, slash Film Daily, and I th- uh, Film Spotting, and I think there's one more that I listen to regularly, and then a couple of. Well, I don't. Want, I wanted to sound smart. I listen to one NPR podcast um, <laughs> on politics because otherwise, I just don't know what's going on. So they're like my uh, my one non movie or non Hollywood entertainment type podcast. But 
so are we are we doing our top five podcasts now too? I, I, you know, I've considered doing <laughs> podcasts about other podcasts, but I thought it's not there yet. <laughs> well, I as far as intelligent ones, I listen to Hidden Brain pretty much regularly. Um, I listen to a friend of mine uh, does a podcast called Catalyst Sale, which is all about sales, but it kind of relates to the business I'm in, which is learning and development. Mm-hmm. And then I recently got turned on to one called Critical Role. I don't know if you want to know what it is, but it's uh, a group of guys that do a that are running a D and D campaign. Yeah, yeah, and they're. Uh, I don't know if you've listened to it or not, but they just started a new season hmm. two weeks ago, and the one and two is episode one and two is out. It is amazing. I mean, I want to watch it because it's actually they stream it live oh, okay. on Twitch, I think. Um, but then they do the yeah, then they do the podcast afterwards. But man, it is amazingly fun to listen to. <laughs> I'll tell you that there's a there's a few D and D games like that because I know Brian Posehn, who's a stand up comedian, uh, used to do one called Nerd Poker, which was D and D. I don't know if it's still active. I I, I have not. I've never actually played D and D. I have tried like four or five times to get involved with the group, and no no one has ever been like dedicated enough to commit the time. So, like, I've made a character, yeah. but we've never gone anywhere past making the character. <laughs> um, I own, like, three sets of dice, too. It just never happens. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's something. I, so, like, I've never been able to get into those because I, I haven't actually experienced what it's like to play it. And so I've not been able to, like, find myself captivated by listening or uh, hearing it. And I, I haven't tried that particular one. But, you know, I, I did try the – I'm a big Brian Posehn fan, so I tried his – um, and I think I jumped in like to the middle too, so I was even more confused than I probably I should have started from like episode one. But uh, yeah, but um, I, I bring up all the podcasts that we like, even though yes, this is not top five podcast, um, <laughs> because that's what kind of inspired me to to start one. Is um, when I was younger, I liked radio, like I liked listening to the DJs and stuff, and so um, I always considered it. Didn't really think I had the voice for it, and uh, but podcasting, I was like, you know what, I can try. It. Maybe I do, maybe I don't. Um, but I, I've I've found a lot of joy in, in making them and just getting to have conversations about stuff that you're passionate about is fun anytime. And for some reason, when you make it a, an official thing, people are more willing to talk to you. You know, like we haven't spoken in years and like not not verbally, at least we've we've me- communicated via messages and whatnot. But this is the first time I think I've spoken to you since I recorded with uh, my last band, because I remember talking to you when I was recording with yep. my last band. And that's the last yep, time yep. I think. So that was what seven years ago? Yeah, six years ago, something like that. <laughs> so yeah, it's been a while. Um, and but here we are because of a podcast, having a conversation, right? And, <laughs> and, and and well, and and I I had a real a slight history about movies for me. I really had a huge interest in movies for quite a long time. Actually, about the time the band started, I was I'd spent probably about six or seven years living close to alone across the street from a blockbuster, which nobody knows who those are, what those are anymore. Uh, I miss um, them so much. But, but they, at the time they were getting kind of the end of their lifestyle, their life frame. So I was getting like five movies for 20 bucks I or seven movies <laughs> for 20 bucks. And I was just, I was absorbing everything I could. So I became really interested in cinematography and directors and writers and actors. And I put a lot of time and effort into that because I basically had no time to do anything else. So, um, so I've got a pretty decent history in, in movies. Listening to you guys though, 
like you said, it's kind of nice to listen to people who are passionate about what they love. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes podcasts so well, that, that, that the, the, the good podcast is when they talk about something they're passionate about, it, it comes through. You, you get excited about it when you listen to it. So yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and in fact, uh, you, you were a good photographer too. I mean, a lot of our pictures, you, you orchestrated the ideas, I guess. I mean, you didn't always, you mm-hmm. weren't able to, to push the shutter cause you were in the pictures, but a lot of, I remember like doing the photo shoot outside of our singer's house, um, with that as your Twitter picture actually of you holding the guitar in front of your face. And, yep. um, I mean, I still have, uh, going to your movie love, uh, one thing we'll get into for sure. And it's probably in your list. Uh, so I don't know if it's a spoiler, but you made me, um, a lightsaber handle um <laughs> i did <laughs> and, and i still have that um i have that in a picture you painted because like again you're you're kind of an artist all over the spectrum you you know you because you paint uh you play music and you take pictures so it's it's no surprise to me that you are a movie lover too you know because it's it's an art yeah and, and a lot of you'll actually be surprised i think when you when you get to my list you, you'll be surprised what's on there there are two that really kind of stand out as more art ideas than they really are great films but uh, we'll get to that we'll get to that okay yes. where, where do you want to start what you want to start down the, the list of questions yeah we'll start uh going through that um so uh what is the first movie you remember watching so the first movie i remember watching was probably wizard of oz on tv um I would say that that's probably the first movie I remember watching. Period. If you're talking about movie theater, it was um, it was Empire Strikes Back. Oh. I know I went to I know I went to see New Hope in the movie theaters, but I, the memories didn't really stick. I was almost too young for it, but I do remember seeing Empire in the movie theater. Um, but if you like, I said if you're th- talking about movie that I remember seeing, Wizard of Oz was certainly probably the first one I remember actually seeing. Yeah, I mean, that definitely, uh, I think that's, for a lot of people, that was my grandma's, like, staple movie for her grandkids. Like, I only, I'm the only child from my mother, but I have several cousins, and I distinctively remember going through the phases. I was the second oldest, but every one of them having to watch Wizard of Oz at Grandma's house, that was, like, a guaranteed. Um, and then uh, Ghostbusters was my first um, experience oh, really? in the theater, and I distinctively remember seeing it because... Afterwards, we went grocery shopping, and my parents would say, "Who are you going to call Ghostbusters?" And that was before my dad left. But like I would just, you know, Ghostbusters, and I've always, and I've still to this day, I am a huge Bill Murray fan. In fact, at South by Southwest, there is a Bill Murray documentary, and I am all over that. Like I am going to be at that screening for sure because I love Bill Murray, and it all started. Yeah, when I, was I want to hear about that. Old. Oh man, I can't wait. I am. So pumped about South by Southwest. They keep announcing more movies, and I keep getting more and more excited. But, um, well, I did, before you go on, I, you know, it's funny you mentioned a story right after the movies. And I, in seeing Empire, I have kind of a, a funny story after the movie as well. Um, I actually went with, uh, my brother and one of his best friends and his best friend's older brother who drove us. And he had a, I think it was a 80 Pinto, uh, uh, wagon might have been or no it was one of the cool coops and we were driving back on this long road that goes back to his house and we were dodging asteroids i mean oh, we man. were just rolling we were rolling laughing but he was driving the car and he would swerve left hard and swerve right hard oh, and like man. oh my god we're driving it was so hilarious that's what i think that's what made the memory of the movie stick for me so yeah i i am very envious um i mean i did see new hope empire and return of the jedi in theaters but in the re-releases in the late 90s, you know, um, oh, right. the prequels. 
but because uh, I not to to date you or to like point out age, <laughs> but I was not born yet when Empire was in the theater, so um, I still had two years before that was gonna yeah before I would be here to see uh, movies. But um, yeah, that's you know my memory is so I don't even know if for because you're not supposed to be able to remember stuff from being like one and a half. But in my right. head, it's very vivid that that's what happened after I saw Ghostbusters. But um, that's what with my wife, uh, we've had a long running joke for a while where my wife's number one, like we like most important person in her life is our daughter. And the second most imp- important person in my wife's life is our dog. And then I'm third. <laughs> and when I started doing the movie blog, um, I realized that the number one was my daughter. But number two were, was movies. And then my wife. And she, you know, the first time I said that, people were like, "Oh!" I'm like, "Hey, movies were here first. I've loved movies <laughs> since I was like two years old." So you know, <laughs> it's it, it, it's a good point, but mm, yeah. But again, okay. <laughs> I'm underneath the dog, so I feel like it's okay. Oh, I know. <laughs> but <laughs> oh yeah. Um. So the next question that I like to ask after hearing what your first movie was is, if there was a movie character that you could be, who would it be? Okay, I had to I had to bounce because this is there's two parts of me that that these two characters fit, and I know it, it's passe to to pick two answers for one, but um, the first one would be Uncle Buck. Um, <laughs> I, it, it, you, I'll, I'll explain. Let okay. me explain. So so in the story, he really goes from wanting to be a bachelor and a child to being thrust into life and taking care of kids and being a responsible person. And he hates it because he wants to be this child, you know, of hobbies and not being responsible for anything. But by the end of the movie, he ends up loving it. It becomes his life. And that's kind of the general feel of where I've been is I wanted to be young for forever. I wanted to, to, you know, play in a band and I wanted to, paint paintings and and play cards until two o'clock in the morning and once i got into a family though it was it was the right fit for me it was just it it, i didn't want to at first but it just became my life um the other one is neo and it's almost because every every job i've had over the last 15 or 20 years i've i've seen through the problems and the code that fixes those problems so when I see somebody doing something that is taking them 45 minutes to do and I know the solution that would take them five, I jump in and I say, stop what you're doing, sit down, let me show you how to do this the right way. And I've just felt that way at every job I've been at. Even though I have a profession, it seems like I know a lot about a bunch of little things like Excel wow. or Word and stuff. And yeah. I can just jump right in and show them the key to it i can see like the code behind the the scene so i'll, I'll now now you can laugh at me go ahead well no actually i, I like both of those <laughs> answers and i can relate to the uncle buck thing i um you know i was 22 when i met my wife and at the time i wasn't thinking you know i just graduated from college i just joined contrast in fact um the, our, right. f- my first show with you guys is is synced up with our anniversary like when we celebrate our anniversary January 14th and that was the first show I played with Contrast um, so it's like this weird history uh, that that stage in my life was a lot of things happening I just finished college I, I met this girl she has a, a, a child who then I end up 
you know, falling in love with both and becoming a dad. And so totally connect with the Uncle Buck story. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Neo. I, I love The Matrix. And I, too, I would say I, I often say I'm a jack of all trades, master of none. Like, I know <laughs> a lot about everything, but I wouldn't say I'm an expert at anything. Like, I'm... Right. I can, but I can get by. And so, yeah, um, I, I can relate to both of those. I like both of the, the reasons, too, there. Um, although I am a little surprised. Uh, I was expecting someone from Star Wars, but I, I'm content with it not being. <laughs> I, I, I'll give you a spoiler. I don't think anything, well, I, t- I take that back. I actually mentioned something from Star Wars, but actually, I don't think any characters wow. or movie related items come from star wars you, you it, it, it it'll be weird for you i got it okay oh cool because i was I, <laughs> since i know that now i'm gonna ask have you seen the uh the han solo uh the solo a star wars story trailer yes i did um oh boy are we, are we just gonna go off on a tangent right now i, mean, I feel like this is a relevant <laughs> question in the line of questioning yes. <laughs> So, so even though Star Wars didn't appear a lot on my questions or my list or anything, um, I, I am a, an avid Star Wars fan. I am a, a very deep Star Wars fan. Um, I, I'm skeptical. I really am. Um, when Rogue One came out, the, I, the, the obvious gap between what happened in, you know, between the beginning of just before the uh, the new hope and mm-hmm. the end of episode three was appealing to me to see that in form They're, they were kind of going on a story that was already there but they had to build you know the details around it yeah so i was kind of anticipating that the solo story i'm i don't know i there, there's no there's like mentions of of his history here and there very small mentions and mm-hmm. Are they going to embellish on that? Are they going to even touch on those? Are they going to make them? Are they going to ruin my <laughs> my image of you know yeah. how he got the Millennium Falcon? That's that's my worry on, on that show. And I mean, the movie looked a little over the top in the previews. I, I'm kind of worried about that that they kind of went a little overboard on it. Mm. I, I you know I am I'm definitely skeptical too. Us uh, anytime you mess with something that you love, we're always going to be a little apprehensive, right? Like that. Don't screw right. this up. I mean, even when Force Awakens was coming out, everyone was like holding their breath, like "Oh, JJ." <laughs> and uh, we, I think most of us sighed with relief. There were some haters, but I think mo- mostly it was positive. I don't get the hate for Last Jedi. I loved Last Jedi. Um, uh, I do too. Uh, and but uh, this trailer, I loved. I am a huge Donald Glover fan. Like I can't emphasize that enough. Like I just think he is a genius. Everything I've witnessed him in, I love him in Community. I love him. I love Childish Gambino's music, and I love him in Atlanta, which is a show he directed, wrote, and stars in. Um, and he looks great as Lando. Like I'm really excited about Lando. I, yeah, I, the problem is, is I don't know. You know, obviously with the trailer, you're just going to get some hints of what's going on. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how much he's going to play a part in the movie. I know, and that kind of worries me. You know, I, if, if he's in there for ten minutes, the entire movie. I'm going to be let down Yeah, big because time. they they've always made it like they were so close and it was such a big deal for them to be so close to each other that I have a feeling they're just going to that that's the I think that's probably the biggest letdown for me would be to have them have their vision of that that friendship and companionship just be a small part of the movie just a, a hint. Yeah. I I hope not. Um I will be severely disappointed. 
Um, <laughs> and uh, I like um, Alden Ehrenreich, I think is his name. Um, I like him, what I've seen him in, uh, which he was in Hail Caesar with the, for the Coen brothers, and uh, he was in Warren Beatty's um, Rules Don't Apply, which I didn't love the movie, but I thought he was really good in it. So I like him. I don't know if he can be Han Solo, you know? Yeah. And he seems a little little fast for Han Solo. Han Solo seemed to be smooth and cool. He, that Maybe that's where I was getting the idea that it might not be what I want it to be. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously there's the whole director debacle with uh, Lord and Miller being let go early and Ron Howard yeah. coming in. Um, that never – that doesn't usually bode well for a movie. But, you know, uh, this Lucasfilms has, has not done – I want to say they haven't done any wrong. And then I was like – I'm like, Jar Jar. And then I have to remember <laughs> – um, but yeah, I, I have high hopes. I, I probably too high. I need to calm them down, but, um, cause it is, that's a busy month that they're coming out too. Cause it's supposed to come out in May. Deadpool two right. is coming out in May and right. Avengers infinity war is supposed to come out in May. So it's like, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's up. They're up against a lot at this point. And I'm, I'm assuming they're in post-production at this point, right? They should, they should be done at this point. Um, they, I know he was editing in December, uh, they should. I hope they're done at this point. But the fact that we just got a trailer, they could still be doing final touch-ups or something. But right. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. We won't spend much more time on it. I just. I had to okay. ask, uh, <laughs> knowing the history of Star Wars, that I. Yeah. Um, I had to at least hear some thoughts. I haven't got to talk about it really with anybody either. So this is <laughs> good opportunity. Um, what uh, what movie have you seen most um, in the theater? So again, not a Star Wars movie. <laughs> uh, I actually saw The Matrix the most in the theater. Oh, okay. Yeah, I. Uh, oh, so in going to see that movie, I was obviously blown away by the the special effects that they created, basically at yeah. that point in yeah, time, big time for for movies. Um, and I was blown away by that in the in the first place. But I can distinctly remember sitting in the movie theater at that point in time, I was playing magic with some friends uh, and that whole group went. And so there was five of us there, but I can distinctly remember that point when he wakes up in the tube and us just looking at each other going, what the hell's going on? Mm-hmm. There is, what is this? And we went, I think we went twice that week and I went another two or three times the month following, but that's actually the movie I've seen that I, I can't think of too many movies that I've went to see twice. I actually did go see the um, Force Awakens twice because we got free passes in 3D, and I wanted to see it regular. But that's I don't see too many movies in the movie theater more than once. And this I know is where that, that probably like hurts your heart, right? A little, not a little <laughs> bit. But this is where I'd like to insert the ad for Movie Pass. But you're not a sponsor, <laughs> Movie Pass. Maybe get on this. Um, just saying, because you know, since Movie Pass has gone to affordability, that I won't say yeah. because again. Um, I have gone more frequently, but I, I too, my highest is only four. Um, I saw Jurassic Park four times in the theater. Um, nice. Yeah, and that's still one of my favorite movies. And The Matrix, though, I feel like I probably saw that one twice because uh, in 1999, Fight Club and The Matrix opened my eyes to movie to storytelling that I was not aware possible. Um, as yeah. I was so shocked by what Fight Club was. Um Oh yeah, <laughs> which it saddens me because most people hate Fight Club now, and it, it is it is a lot of like male, you know, like how awful males can be, and like sh- it's the worst of men in a lot of ways. But 
I never loved it for that. Like I never like idolized you know Tyler Durden or whatever. I loved it because I never saw the end coming of Fight Club. Like when I watched it the first time, I went in because I went to the movies every Friday night. Fight Club was the only thing playing that looked like it was even going to be remotely interesting, and that was solely because I was really into martial arts, and it looked like there would at least be fighting in Fight Club, right? right? So I'm like, fine, I'll go see that. And I walked out with my mind blown, like, oh my god, I never saw this coming. And The Matrix did the same thing. Like, I had like almost no interest. I think I even was like, the guy from Bill and Ted's? Yeah, right. And... Um, I went and because I had skip point break for most of my most of my life actually. Um, Lucky. <laughs> I just recently watched it, uh, but um, when I went in the Matrix, I had a friend who had already seen it. And he's like, "Dude, you got to come see this movie." And I'm like, "All right, all right, I'll come." And I walked out of that movie with my mind blown, just like, "What is happening?" And for a long time, those were my two favorite movies, and they were both from the same year and both had the same impact. Where I went in not knowing what I was getting into, and. I, I totally see the Matrix being a logical reason to go back because, man, like I, th- my first midnight screening I think I ever went to was the sequel for the Matrix, like you know, which was disappointing by comparison. But at at the time, I was so stoked to go see the sequel because I loved the first one yeah. so so much. Huge, huge letdowns in both of those. Um, I, I I don't really know what happened to the Lukowski brothers after the first one. I, they, ugh, I just they, so many. Com- Using timelines and and directions that they went into that they didn't need to. They could have stopped with the first one and never made two they, and three, and I'd have yeah. been perfectly fine. And it ends that way. It ends like they could have. They were planning on stopping, but it did so well um, that yeah, they got they got pressured by the studio to knock them out. And I mean, they've done good stuff since then. They've done bad stuff since then. They are now the Wachowski sisters. Um, yeah, true, <laughs> true. And they they did make the Jupiter ascending, which is is pretty awful. Um, you know, but uh, Cloud Atlas, I liked. Um, Cloud Atlas. Well, did you read the book before the movie or after, or at, at all? At at all, neither. I I've not I've not read the book, but I've so read I actually read Wikipedia. the book. I actually read the book before. I read the entire uh, book before. Um, actually, the last book I've read because I don't read very often, but somebody turned me on to it, and I was hooked immediately. Mm. Um, they did a phenomenal job capturing the idea from the book hmm. i think they went over the top with the uh the character uh, makeup and almost silly looking ideas of people but when you read the book you get that feeling Got you it. get that feeling that people are almost bigger than life and their characters quote unquote i'm oh. putting using air quotes now characters that <laughs> <laughs> that stand out and it's it was a really good capture of that feel from the book well, see that—that's good to hear. I—I, you know, it, it didn't get a lot of love, and it's definitely—it's not an easy movie to watch. It is very—you no. got to keep track of a lot of stuff, and um, um, the the their style has always been really flashy. Anyways, I mean, I still have not watched Speed Racer, but most people think it's an awful movie, but very visually appealing, um, is what I've heard. But uh, it's a cartoon. <laughs> Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's an adaption of a cartoon, so you kind of get if if you're not into cartoons or comic books, it it's not a good watch. If you're into cartoons and comic books, especially Japanime type stuff, it's a good watch. But uh, yeah, if you're not, it's horrible. <laughs> I've had it for a while now, as I I tend to do because like you you said uh, when Blockbuster was doing the five for twenty, I bought a lot of stuff that I've never watched. <laughs> And then Fye used to do all sorts of used specials all the time, and I would snag. Yeah. You know, oh well, this one's the same price. So I'll get this one, and I'm, I'll watch it eventually. And I'm working through my collection, but it, it's it's taken a while, um, especially because I keep making more of these things. So you know, it's not getting any easier. 
Um, yep. So that that question was for the Matrix, and you noted you don't go to the theater, not for the Matrix. I'm sorry, for the theater, and you don't go back yeah. to the theater very often. So, mm-hmm. what's the movie you've seen the most? Period. So it's probably a three way tie between Star Wars: A New Hope, mm-hmm. um, all versions put together, um, The Matrix, of course, because I've watched it many times. Yeah. Um, actually, I've probably seen the Animatrix about as many times as I've seen The Matrix. Which I don't know if you know what that is, but it's the little vignettes they created. Yeah, yeah. I've only seen it um, once, though. Uh, yeah, that I've about every time I watch the Matrix, I have to put the the Animatrix on because there's so many stories related to the Matrix. Huh. Um, and and the third one's honestly World War Z. Wow. Yeah, I, I have probably watched that ten, fifteen times in the last year, year and a half. That's interesting. Um, I don't. I do, well, it's big spoiler alert. It's actually on my five. Um, ah. uh, it's it's. I don't know what it is about that movie, but the opening sequence, the entire opening scene. Uh, you've seen the movie, yes? I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. I, only once the, though. Actually, I own it though. The opening, <laughs> the opening scene where they where they get in the car and start going to town captures me every single time and it's such a a unique take on the zombie genre that i stick with it and i also read the book before but the book is nowhere even close to the movie no i have read that book actually and i completely agree i was a little disappointed because i was really looking forward to the book um (laughs) which uh they're supposed to do a second i think they're still working on the second one um but yeah i don't know how like my my theory is because the book is is written after the war as conducted as a series of interviews. Right. So I think they're supposed to do like world war Z was bef- as it started. I think the second one's supposed to be like after it's been going on for a while, and then a third movie potentially of like the aftermath, but I don't know. It's been a while now, so I'm not sure if that any of that's still happening, but um, I, I liked world war Z there. I, there were some parts, the, the zombies climbing the wall were always, it was yeah. not the, it was hard to like buy into, I think. Um, right. Not that it wasn't an interesting visual, but it was like, uh, I don't know. I don't think so. But <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that um, seems a little far-fetched. Yes, I, I, and I think it's more that that it's an adventure story, too, and I think people overlook that. And it's kind of mm-hmm. like Walking Dead, the, the, the AMC show. I never saw it as a zombie show. I saw it as a almost a soap opera. Yeah. And I think that's what people miss when they when they look at zombie genre movies is they miss that there's sometimes stories there, like really well written stories. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well in fact I'm gonna I'm gonna do two things here. One, okay. have you seen Train to Busan? I have not. Okay, it's on Netflix if you have the streaming service, which I hope I do. do. Um it is I a... have I have Netflix and Amazon, so perfect. That's what I, I am as well. Um uh Train to Busan is a Korean film though, so it is subtitled. But it is okay. I think one of the best zombie movies made, like especially for the story. Um, the the characters have so much depth, and so you are so invested in them. Um, it, it's just an amazing movie. Cannot recommend that enough. Um, and then okay, writing it down. Uh, in recent years, because like a lot of my my movies that I watched a lot aren't ones I'm necessarily proud of. Like I've seen Wayne's World way too many times. Um, as a kid, <laughs> I was like obsessed with Wayne's World. Um, and then Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison are on that list too. I watched those far, far too many times. And honestly, um, Wedding Singer as well. Uh, just Ooh, Wedding Singer is a good one though. I, I love the music in that, <laughs> and so it's hard not to. And then, um, but uh, in recent years, uh, even the last decade, I haven't really found a movie that 
kept pulling me back in, pulling me back in. Like uh, even going back to 2000 Matrix and Fight Club, I watch regularly enough. But um, my favorite movie, the movie that I list as my number one movie all time, is Scott Pilgrim versus the World. And mm-hmm. that was the first movie in a long time that I kept going back to it. Like I couldn't get enough of it because it literally it feels like Edgar Wright made it for me as the the video game in- integration, the fight, the martial arts, the music, everything's just like picked from my brain. And like, here's a movie that you will enjoy so much that you won't know what to do with yourself. And then you make the main character a bass player. And it's just like, come on. This movie's literally made for me, right? Like Edgar Wright's like, I'm making a movie about you. Yeah, I wish. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that that's you know, I think now at this point it may have surpassed. It maybe not because as a kid I literally did live on like Wayne's World. Like I would watch one movie for like a summer. I would just like the videotape would re- like end and I would rewind it and watch it again. Like that was. Um, <laughs> so I'm pretty sure Wayne's World has the record, but. Uh, Scott Pilgrim has definitely got the record for as an adult picking a movie and rewatching it more than one, you know, more than just a couple of times. Yeah, and I have taught it as well, so I've 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 shown it countless times now to like five years worth of teaching film. Um, so I've seen it every time I've taught it too. So like I've seen it an insane amount of times, and I love that movie. So, um, I just had to throw that out there, you know. Um, interesting note actually. Uh, at my job, we have a lot of connections with different people, and we have a couple of Harvard psychologists that come once a year and like talk to our students and stuff. Um, and mm-hmm. one of them uh, is really, really good friends, or I should, now I have to say was, which just made me really sad. He was really good friends with George Romero. Um, oh yeah. And uh, I ended up talking to him about movies, and he's actually on. There's a special feature on one of the World War Z DVDs that is a panel. Um, and it's Max Brooks, George Romero, and this guy, this psychologist, talking about zombie movies. And um, Dr. Schlotzman, I think is his name. I'm, like, hesitating because I don't want to say it wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's right. And uh, so I'm like, this guy's a, a Harvard psychologist, but he's on a Blu-ray somewhere. One version of World War Z, he's on this Blu-ray doing this panel with George Romero. And um, I was talking to him about movies, Um and I was like, my favorite, I really love Scott Pilgrim. And he's like, oh my God, that's such a great movie. And I'm like, all right, Harvard psychologist just va- validated <laughs> my point of view. So you had to like melt right in the spot. You're like, <laughs> yes. Yep. Like anyone who doubted me, Harvard psychologist. So, um, and that's that, that kind of is a good build up because I said why Scott Pilgrim connects with me so much. Why do you watch a movie? Like, what about a movie pulls you in to make you want to watch it? We know it's interesting because I, I, you know, I, you got two questions in a row here that I kind of answered the same way. So I'll kind of lump them together. Sure. Um, what I like in the movie and why do we watch a movie is is basically the same thing. And mm-hmm. it's 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 bottom line is story for me. I can get past bad cinematography, bad acting, bad casting, bad lighting. <laughs> bad timing i can get past all of that if the story is really good and that's that's what pulls me in a lot of times i get unfortunately i I watch a preview and if i see a good preview for a good story that i think is going to be a good story i'll go into it and and it usually ends up being a good story but i've missed some really good movies because the preview hasn't been enough about the story it's been more about the action like uh there was a movie i saw years ago it was is it snow falling on cedars with um, 
oh, what's his name? Ethan Hawke. I don't know. I like Ethan Hawke a lot, though. If you if you watch it, it, there's a spoiler that I could say right now. But I think honestly, if you dove into it, you might like the movie. So I'll, I'll leave that out. But I, I saw the preview for it, and I went, "Man, this movie looks horrible." Like three years later, it was one of the ones that was you know three for a dollar or something at, at mm. Blockbuster, where they just were trying to get rid of it. I bought it and watched it. And it was one of the best movies I'd probably seen in ten years. It was. It just hit me that the story was really good. And it has oh. kind of that Matrix Fight Club end to it. Is that the right movie? Is it Snow Falling? It is. Yeah, and uh, Robert, okay. Richard Jenkins is in it, and I'm a big fan of his. So I'm like, oh snap! Yeah, you might as well check it out because it is. It it was one of those ones where I went by the preview and I didn't go see it, and then a couple of years later I went and got it just on a whim, and man, it was it blew me away. So stories is what attracts me to movies. Um, but previews are what kind of drag me into whether it's going to be a good story or not. And unfortunately there's bad and good when it comes to previews. So, uh, yeah. that's kind of the, the answer for both. No. And they're kind of, they are written as two questions, but they are two. Um, I'm always afraid that people won't understand what I'm asking there. So like, I like to give it, kind of both to yeah. like clarify. Yeah. And I think, I think again, that, that I, I watch movies because, of stories and I watch movies because the preview tells me that it's a good story. Mm-hmm. So I look for that in the previews. And unfortunately that is my misleading sometimes where I, I, I miss out on some good movies or they kind of do me into thinking it's going to be a good story and I get there and what they've shown in the previews is really the only good part of the story. <laughs> so what, why I watch a movie is because of previews, but I'm looking for the story and what do I like in a movie is going to be flatline story. It's I have, I've seen lots of really good action adventure movies that have really good action scenes, but are horrible, horrible stories. And they're very forgettable at that point. Yeah. I, I am a, a very much a story person myself. I, I, I do like, I can like a movie that doesn't have a story. Like I don't need a story for a movie to be enjoyable, right. but I definitely, um, stories, what I latch onto, it's what um, will really pull me either towards loving a film or disliking a film, is if I connect to the story. Um, right, and that that may be why we like podcasts um, because essentially yeah. it's listening to people tell stories. Um, True. With that, then uh, I don't know if this might already have been answered too, but what movie surprised you the most? Well, it's interesting because I, I read this question and I read it two different ways, mm-hmm. and I read it as. What movie surprised me the most? And yes, we've answered it with The Matrix. I yeah. was just blown away by the ending. But I also read it as what movie surprised me, kind of what I just answered for the other two questions. Yeah. What did I go into thinking, eh, eh, yeah, it's going to be whatever. Honestly, for that that movie for me is Big Hero 6. Oh, I went into that mo- I went into that movie thinking that it was going to be kids fun you know group of people get together group of kids get together have a little action adventure and then you know the story's over probably one of the best stories i've seen in the last 20 years it is amazing i I, that's that movie is might even be a contender for world war z to be honest with you oh nice yeah i i love uh big hero six and specifically baymax i thought it was just such a great little (laughs) character and so many of his mannerisms and uh, the there's so many funny parts in that movie, but it's also like heartfelt. Oh, as yes. Pix- well, that's not Pixar; it's just Disney. Um, no, right, it's Disney. <laughs> uh, but that Disney Pixar, you know, vibe that it, it gives off. It does um, the, the emotions, and I think especially. That's, and I think that's why I had 
uh, low expectations going into it because Pixar really hadn't touched me since Incredibles. Hmm. Pixar, Incredibles, Pixels uh, was Pixar, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And Incredibles yeah, too, they hadn't year. really. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, but um, they hadn't really touched me since Incredibles. Like um, the second uh, Monsters Inc. movie was n- kind of lackluster. Yeah. Um, there was one another one I watched right after, but after I watched that one, it was kind of I don't I'm staring away from Pixar. And the preview gave me that feel, even though it was Disney. It kind of gave me that feel of man, this is going to be you know cookie cutter story i'm gonna see the same things and with just different characters but watching it with my son and just what re-watching it again it's such an amazing story it's well written the characters are well developed all the characters are actually well developed um just fantastic movie like i said it might actually be up there for the most watched yeah. in recent times with, with world war z yeah i i like that film a lot so that's a cool one um Definitely a, a one that I like. I like hearing stuff like that because that's that is. I actually um, haven't seen some big animated films. Like my students always freak out because I've never seen Iron Giant. Um, <laughs> but I was, wait a minute. You hold on. You've remedied that though. You've watched it right because you, you you've watched it. You I, had to watch. I it, right? still have not watched it. <laughs> and, but it came out at a time when I was like too cool for cartoons. You know what I mean? Like where I was like. Yeah. I was just getting out of high school, going into college. I think. I think it's like I was in high school at least, and so I was like, "Whatever, stupid kid movie." And so I've <laughs> just never gone back to it. And I'm not a huge Vin Diesel fan, so at this point, that's like become kind of like, "Well, now I don't know if I yeah. want to watch it." But um, I know he just says, "I don't even know if he he, does he just grunt." Like I don't know if he says, "I." No, he he actually he actually speaks a couple words in it. Okay. Um. Uh, but I will save you. It, it honestly, the the story's not deep. It's not. It's not groundbreaking. Um, I think it was just timing for that movie. It was timing for. I think the genre of kids' movies mm-hmm. started to sway at that point, and I think there was a little more adult themes in it. It became a little more. Oh, this is a little deep for kids to understand towards ah. the end of it. And so I don't think you're missing much. It wasn't a stellar story. It was pretty decent. You know character development but it was more a social comment towards the end of it and it got to be a little preachy (laughs) yeah yeah but i'll tell you man kids kids still have fun and of course my students now uh my freshmen were born after 2000 like that's the craziest part to me is like my head's still not wrapping around that yet like (laughs) um and so like when they are like you haven't seen iron giant like why have you seen it you were a baby (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah, I guess their parents were fans of it or something. You know, I don't know. Maybe older brothers and sisters in some cases. But um, yeah, it's one that I just I still have not gotten to. But there's a lot of movies though I still have not gotten to, and I'm I'm trying to remedy that as fast as I can. Um, that's the the other the counter the sister podcast to Top Five is the Movie Club that I do with uh, Corey, and that right. developed because of both of our huge gaps in movie viewing history. Um, and like we have some stuff on the horizon because we've actually made our whole list. For this year, basically, so we kind of know mm-hmm. what we're watching for the rest of the year, and um, there's a couple she's picked that I'm just like, I didn't even know that existed. Like, what? Where did you get this? Um, well, it's kind of like me mentioning snow falling on cedars. You need to need to add that to your list yeah. right now. And see, it just keeps growing, Craig. It's impossible. Um, but uh, and like I've recommended Rudderless for you, and I don't think you've had a chance to yep. watch that yet. Um, no, but I did actually. Uh, put on my watch list was it, is it moon what was the one you guys were talking about the other day the um Doug, duncan jones film moon um with, no uh, no say, the one where the 
it, it goes from the kid as he's young in school and then it goes to the next where oh, mom was yeah uh, uh, moonlight Moonlight, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh. that's been added to my list because what you guys talked about it really kind of turned me on to it. So. Oh, dude, that's awesome. It's on Amazon Prime, too. So, uh, yep. Yeah, definitely check that out. That movie, I mean, it did win Best Picture, so it's not like I discovered it or anything. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, man, uh, Rudderless, because I, I, it's a music driven film. And it is, right. if we were doing like our favorite soundtracks, which I, we could do on your podcast sometime. Um, <laughs> I it's it's one it's on the list. <laughs> yeah, I I love that soundtrack so much. It is I think it might be my current favorite album. Like I've listened to it more than any other album in the last year um since I've watched the movie and so I'm like I need someone else that's like into music to watch this movie. So as soon as you can. Okay, that's I'm bumping it up to my my number one watch then. There it's are. up there. Um we got two more things. Uh one more question and yeah. then we'll get to your top 5. So what movie that is often considered bad? Uh, by many people that you still enjoy, kind of a guilty pleasure, if you will. Can I can I just say it and we can move on? Because oh, I don't know. That's what I'm, I I know that's what guilty pleasures are for. But okay, so I, you you may have seen it. It's it's actually has a pretty good soundtrack by a band that I have loved most of my music career. But it's Maximum Overdrive. Oh, I I know of the movie, but I've not seen it. Uh... <laughs> It's it's bad. It is it's but it's one of those ones that I will put on and I will watch from beginning to end and just enjoy the heck out of it. I'm not sure why. It's horrible. The acting's horrible, the story's horrible, the special effects are horrible. But A C D C does the entire soundtrack, so I did not know that. because um, that that is this movie is reviled for two reasons. It's one of the only it's the only movie I think Stephen King directed. Um yes. and so and this, that's why it has a, uh, you know, Emilio Estevez. Um, yep. When he was still relevant, though. I mean, this is 1986. Yeah, he, he, he was hot. I mean, he was a hot commodity at the time. That um, Yeah, I have not seen it. I am familiar with it mainly uh, because of it coming out last year. All of Stephen King's um, adaptations and or this particular adaptation that he directed have been discussed like all over the movie, the movie verse, like the movie podcasts and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, one I've not seen, but okay, guilty pleasure. Yeah, yeah. I've I, man, I wonder if ACDC is proud of the fact that they score that their soundtrack. <laughs> well, I, I'll go a side note on it real quick, just in music. Um, there's actually recordings of bits of songs or bits of fill in where they actually filled in between scenes, oh. um, where they're building to to the next scene. Where those recordings aren't out there anywhere. You can't get them anywhere. They weren't even on the soundtrack. So. It was just kind of impromptu stuff where they, you know, literally did a fill between two scenes. Like if the, they showed a, a aerial view of the trucks coming into the truck stop, it was just them kind of filling in, just playing wow. noodling around the guitars. And you can't really find it anywhere. I've looked everywhere for it. And I cannot find it anywhere. But they did the like um, uh, ride on, isn't it? And it's it's a really weird version because it's got like an echo to it to his voice. Huh. Um, so yeah, there's some unique stuff on there that ACDC. That, that they did just for that for that um for that for that movie well that you know that's an interesting bit of trivia though that i don't think most people would have known about maximum overdrive so there you go yeah Your music <laughs> guilty pleasure um brings in some facts all mm-hmm. right that leads us to the, the the main event of our show we're going to look yep. at craig's top five all-time favorite films 
um, starting with number five, working our way to number one. And since Corey's not here, I have to do this. Uh, spoiler warning, <laughs> folks. There is a very real chance that we will uh, give details about some of these films that you may not want to know until you've seen them. So feel free to uh, look at the show notes or check com for the list of Craig's top five films. And you are and? ready to go. Number five. Number five is actually I got to watch this just two nights ago. My wife had never seen it, and she did. She fell in love with it as soon as she watched it. But oh. it's Royal Tenenbaums. Oh, very. Oh, I'm such a Wes Anderson fanatic. Oh, me too. Me too. <laughs> it was really a toss up between that and Rushmore, but Rushmore is more of a. Um, I love Schwartzman and Rushmore, yeah. um, and I love the movie, but the story is really thin in Rushmore. Um, Royal Tenenbaums is just the, the story is very robust. It's a lot of backstory and characters. It's a lot of fantastic acting. It's a lot of good interactions between actors. I mean, it seems like all of them left their egos at the door because just, you know, watching, um, Oh, what's his name that does plays uh, the curly haired son. I'm blanking on his name now. Um, ben Stiller or Luke Wilson? Ben, ben, ben Stiller. Ben Stiller play that character is just fantastic. It's He's almost a shining uh, standout in that movie for me, but Gene Hackman definitely takes it. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he takes it in that movie for me. Now, this, uh, of I've, I've seen all of Anderson's films. Um, I think I've only seen yep. this one. Once in its entirety, and I've seen clips. I've seen Rushmore countless times. Rush, I am a uh, huge fan of coming of age movies, and that is what yeah. Rushmore is. So Rushmore just, and I love Jason Schwartzman as you mentioned. Um, plus again, yeah. Bill Murray, um, who's in yeah, almost all of exactly. Anderson's movies. Um, but yeah, I I just uh, my students are studying montage right now, and so one of the um, Anderson's montages are always unique and different. He doesn't follow the modern montage. Um, like right. In Rushmore, we have when we learn about Max, we see it through the yearbook and we like see all the different clubs that he's in. And then yep. uh, one of I'm sorry, the uh, the reason why they saw the clip from Royal Tenenbaums is Luke Wilson uh, cutting his hair and shaving his beard. And that's how, great. I love that sequence so much. And it's all jump cuts. Yes. But it's just so fantastic. Um, well, it's it's the music that's played. Yes. He, the, the, so Wes Anderson has a, a knack for putting. Putting feeling to a scene with the music and it, there wasn't there didn't really need to be any music in that scene and i probably would have felt the exact same thing that i needed to feel in that moment mm-hmm. but the music made it 10 times better yeah uh, and i mean the lighting in that sequence because it's like it's like a blue uh, room and it's yes uh, yes <laughs> I, I love i love that scene so much um i do but that's, I, I honestly go ahead no i i need to buy this movie um i want to get the the criterion version of it um, That's actually the one I have. Uh, yeah, I need to do that. I have the only Criterion I have uh, from Anderson is Bottle Rocket, which Corey got me for Christmas, I think, two years ago, um, which is his first film. Uh, which Owen, yeah. and Luke oh, I've seen it. Oh, yeah, I, I love that, and I'm really bummed because they announced today that uh, Isle of Dogs is going to be the last movie they show at South by Southwest, and I'm leaving the day before the last day. No. So I was like, no. <laughs> That's gonna be a is it is that gonna be animated? Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, it's the same yeah. style that he used. Fantastic Mr. The Fox. Fox. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Fox movie. Yeah. Have you seen that one? Because um, the tone I've, in your voice says no. <laughs> I, I, I the 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 I started it and I had to stop it. It was mm-hmm. at a point. My son was really young. Was what that came out? What five years ago? Six uh, years ago? A little more, I think. But yeah, it's in more that, than that. In that ballpark, though, it's not too far off. My, my, 
my son was really young and we were it was at a time where we really didn't have time to watch movies and i put it in and i started and i had to turn it off and i kick myself for it now because it's everybody that has seen it, it says go watch it go watch it go watch it but i just i haven't got back to it yet 2009 so nine years um but uh, I, I, that's one of the first ones. That's the only one I can comfortably teach because it's not rated R. Right. Um, right. But uh, it's also it's excellent because it's it's his normal actors like Schwartzman's in it, uh, Clooney. Yeah. And um, is the, the kind of the oddball because he's not usually in the Anderson films. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I highly recommend that one. Actually, I think uh, I just convinced Corey to buy the criteria. I think it's on Criterion now. Um, and she just bought it and watched it and loved it. So, um. But yeah, okay. We, we can't spend all the time on five, but I, <laughs> I know. I'm such a Wes Anderson freak. Uh, I don't get again. I love seeing him pop up on people's lists because he is. Um, I think he's one of those directors where you either love his style or are completely repulsed by it, and I yep. I love it. So I agree. Okay, number five. I'm gonna throw a weird one at you. This is it. Uh, I'm trying to think. Remember what year? Let me look up what year it was. 1999. So it's a movie called Mumford. Um, it was actually written by Lawrence Kasdan. Uh, oh, was it directed by him? Might have been been directed by him as well. Uh, no, just written by Lawrence. Oh, and I was produced and directed by him. Um, one of my favorite mm-hmm. people in the in the media in in the in the genre. I, I think that Lawrence Kasdan is the reason Empire Strikes Back was as good as it was. Yep. Um, I think that you know, obviously, he w- had his hand in Raiders of the Lost Ark. He had his a little bit of a hand in Jedi when Lucas would let him. Um, has done some fantastic movies, but Mumford always stands out as my favorite movie by him. Wow. Talk about story. I don't know if you've seen the movie, but the story is one of those amazing stories with great characters and great interactions between people. Have you seen the movie? I have not. In fact, I'm, I don't know. I know the name, but I'm looking at the cast and I'm just like, the the two leads are not people I'm familiar with, but Jason Lee shows up in this and then Corey's favorite actress. Zoe Deschanel. Jason, Jason Lee actually plays a pretty decent part in the film. Not only that, but he doesn't. He, he plays an. Ex, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to spoil too much for you because it's really good. I suggest seeing it. But he actually plays an eccentric, rich person mm. who has built a really extensive uh, skateboard exit to his building where he can skateboard out through like little tunnels and, and half pipes. Mm-hmm. And he actually does that. I mean, he used to skateboard when he was younger he anyways. Yeah. So he, he actually does the actual stunt. You can see it's him doing the whole thing, skating in and out of this. And he jumps out at the end and pops the board up in his hand. It's a fantastic scene, but it's so, it's so telling of his character because he's so eccentric, but he's so down to earth. The character development in this movie and the character depth is just amazing and who is her um her favorite actor that's in it uh it's it's a joke but zoe deschanel she hates zoe deschanel oh (laughs) (laughs) well i you know i it's again there's so many like partial characters in this movie Mm -hmm. like prude taylor vince plays a, a very side character that ends up being crucial to the main characters uh getting into the society again, not trying to spoil too much, but mm-hmm. I love Pruitt Taylor Vance. I don't know if you know who he is, but yeah, he's in a bunch of stuff that I've seen. Um, always a character <laughs> actor. Um, yes. I remember him in Constantine. I think he was in Richie rich. Yeah. Uh, he, I think he was too, but he plays a very, very small part in the movie identity, which is uh, John Cusack. Yeah. I own that. Um, have not watched it, but I am familiar with it. 
but it he plays a really very small part in it but he does so good at it he he basically plays john cusack kind of and and has to act like john cusack and does a spot-on version of him (laughs) um but anyways mumford is a movie that that i've actually own on vhs and dvd man (laughs) um I've, somebody pointed out Lawrence Kasdan to me when I was actually in my um, Akira Kurosawa phase. Ooh. So I was really into storytelling and stuff. Um, and when I told somebody that, they're like, well, you should check out Lawrence Kasdan's film. In fact, Mumford, check it out. It's a really good movie. And I looked, watched it, loved it. Probably one of my it, – it's, it's certainly one I will go back to when I'm ready for a good story. Nice. I, I'm adding it to my list for sure. Um, uh, so, so you, um, he's actually a partial writer on the solo story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kazan is what we're talking about, right? Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. I think, and I, I think he's going to be working with JJ on episode nine. So, um, Ooh, yeah, that sounds good to me. <laughs> yep. So, uh, you know, he came in, um, I think he is one of the reasons though, that Lord and Miller were let go was he didn't like how they were treating Han. They, he thought they were making him too funny and not not keeping the uh, – because, like, Han Solo has always had an edge of comedy, but it's always been – the way he is comedic was, I think, being warped by the directors, and he stepped in, right. I think, to help reshape the character to who it's supposed to be, which is why I have right. some hope in in the movie, too, is that his involvement was like, okay, well – you know, maybe they won't allow him to be tarnished because he's such a vital character to the series. So hopefully, that's all we can do, right? Um, yes. Just wait for a new hope. Uh, okay. Uh, sorry, Star Wars puns. <laughs> uh, let's. Uh, okay. I, let's move to number three. I think <laughs> this is another one that I own the Criterion Collection on. It was a nice. very expensive, extremely expensive to purchase, but it's Brazil. Oh, okay. I've not seen this one. This has been on my watch list for a while. Um, yeah, I I'm a huge Terry Gilliam fan um, in general. Uh, Brazil has been one of the movies that stuck out to me as probably my favorite take on dystopian movies. Wow. Um, I, I love like Mad Max and The Road Warrior. I love those types of ones that Miller did that were very you know gave a true feeling of what you know it would be like to be after certain you know things happen to the earth but this one is such a jaded funny view of a dystopian society that it, it has stuck with me the entire time and i don't know you probably don't know the controversy behind it but i'll tell you that there was three cuts of this film one for tv one that was gilliam's cut and then one that was done for the um for for theater show and uh-huh. The TV one was cut so severely that that, that um, Gilliam didn't even want his name on it. Um, the movie theater one was also had a different ending. It had a happy ending, and he did not want that as well. So I still favor the Gilliam cut on on the Criterion Collection. But um, I mean, Robert De Niro is in it. I mean, yeah. I, it, it as as a very small character, but he's like so inspirational in the entire movie. Oh wow. Yeah, um, huge Gillian fan. I love like all of his movies. Twelve Monkeys, you know, yeah. Fear and Loathing, Fisher King. Just everything he seems to, seems seems to put out is is good for me. And I think he's 
finally going to get Quixote out? That's what it sounds like. Um, a, a version <laughs> of it. It's a. I think it's like a hybrid where it's like. I think it's like somewhat autobiographical where it's a, a director trying to make a Don Quixote movie. So it's like <laughs> his experience with the process, I think, is what I recall hearing is actually happening because um, it's well, still not his this, in his whole movie. But and, and I think, you know, he's he's already dealt with that with the the Dr. Parnassus movie with losing um, Heath Ledger there in the middle of it. Yeah. And. I think he did a phenomenal job on that. I don't know if you've seen that movie or not, but that he did a phenomenal job putting that together. I still haven't. It. It's been on my list to check out. It's just, you know, um, one of those you have, things. You have a lot of movies to watch. You so. have so many movies to watch, <laughs> and they just keep making more. Worst but yeah, Brazil is one that Brazil's one of those ones that I went out and bought the Criterion because it's really hard to find the his cut anywhere else most of the cuts are going to be the one that was in the theater that has the happy ending to it um and i've seen the tv version it it is miserable it's not even there's not even much of a story there so yeah i um we were subscribed to uh filmstruck for a while that has the criterion channel and a lot of the movies are a lot of their not all of their collection is on there but a big chunk of it's on the digital streaming service um the downside was filmstruck is glitchy um and it it doesn't have (laughs) A whole lot of apps, like I think it's on, um, I think it's on the Fire Stick, but I don't think it's on like Xbox yet or whatever. So it was problematic for that. But then it was also like with their pay system got glitchy, so I ended up canceling it. I might go back to it, and that, I know Brazil was on there because I had when I first got it, I went through and like it was adding a bunch of stuff. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna watch this, 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 <laughs> and then I just you know never get to everything. So um, funny, but that is on my list for sure. Uh, you know. <sighs> That like, that leads to number two though. Um, <laughs> so uh, um, uh, it, you you know that I had to have a music movie on there, right? I, I was mean, expecting it had at least to be on one. My... Yes, <laughs> almost famous. Ah, wow. Okay, I, I I love this movie. I am a, in fact, Billy Crudup, man. That's what I'm telling you, rudderless. Um, yeah, no, I I know. As soon as you you pointed it out to me, and I saw who was in it, I'm like, oh, another music movie with Crudup in it. I could probably go for that. Um, I it's it, you you've seen the movie, you know that it's 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 an almost an epic story. Uh-huh. It yeah. is, it is a like you said, it's almost a coming to life story for for um how was the character's name the William. kid um William, William. William. Patrick Fugit. Exactly. And it's almost a coming to, to, to age story for him. And then it's still like I, I'm so attracted to the band story because we kind of went through some of those struggles <laughs> that they were going through. In contrast, we, we went through those, you mm-hmm. know, do we have a manager? Do we have, you know, are we arguing about who's playing what part and stuff? And I will tell you that and this may come as a shock to you, but I hate Jimmy Fallon. I hate Jimmy Fallon oh, as man. an actor. I hate Jimmy Fallon as a night show person. I hate him as a stand-up. But his scenes in that movie are the only redeeming parts I've ever seen of him. <laughs> I love his scenes. I love his scenes in that movie. When he comes into the room and talks to them about you know, paying for the ice under the, the one arena, and I'm like, that's that's Jimmy Fallon. That's the one I want him to be every single time I see him. <laughs> Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this, but Jason Lee is in this movie. And so yes. is, oh, yeah. And so is Zoe Deschanel. So, oh, yeah. They're in Mumford and your number two movie. So that's an interesting, weird interesting. connection how that happens. But 
Um, I didn't think about that. <laughs> um, I just watched uh, Saved the other night for the first time, and Patrick Fugit yeah. in that. Um, yeah. I was like, I hadn't. I don't. He he's in other stuff, but I I don't usually recognize him from Almost Famous to the other movies. But in that one, I was like, wait a minute, that guy looks really familiar. And sure, I was like, oh man, okay, it's a kid from Almost Famous. Um, I I love this movie also. I it's been a while since I've watched it, but. Um, this movie changed the tiny dancer for me. Like I can never hear that song without like just watching the bus scene over again. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I've been meaning to get to it. In fact, um, I think Mike just finally watched this cause this has been on his gap list and I think he might've watched it in the last week. Um, I, I've been meaning to get to it again. I might put this on in front of my daughter too, cause I think it's about that time. Um, in fact, yeah, I, I... good. Uh, I was going to say, um, music movies i i actually have always gone to you uh because when i joined contrast i think you gave me a list of five of music movies that we had to see and it was spinal tap or this is spinal tap to be accurate yeah um singles uh which is the only one that i didn't love to be honest um it's a it's a it's a music movie but that's about it (laughs) yeah and i love the bands in it because i grunge is like of my favorite genres um which isn't always a good thing to say to people because a lot of people look at you like you're stupid. But I love Alice in Chains. I love I love Nirvana. So whatever. Um, and so I wanted to love that movie, but I I did not connect to the characters at all. Yeah. Um, I, Almost Famous was on the list. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. There was two more. And uh, since then, though, I've added a bunch of other ones because, like, I don't know if you've seen Sing Street yet. Um, no, I haven't yet. Okay, that that's a must um, for especially for music lovers. Uh, in fact, John Carney is the director for Sing Street. Uh, he did a movie called Once. Have you seen that? Uh, no, I've not. Once is a really great example of what you were talking about earlier. The it, he literally uh, had to film it with like no budget. Um, right. He's using non actors. They're, they're both musicians that are his lead actors. Um, he's filming it illegally at times, so like he has no permits to be filming on the street. So like there are shots where he's literally across the street in a coffee shop, like shooting through the window, so that they can get Wild. the scene they need. Um, but it's the music is so fantastic and the story is so well told that you fall in love with the film despite the bad lighting, despite the bad shots. It's just interesting, great. Um, and he has a middle movie. This those uh, Sing Street is the polished version of Once. Slightly different, but definitely you see like similarities in the stories. Um, and both are set in Dublin, Ireland, um, so that's another catch. But uh, his American film is called Begin Again, which is another music movie. All three of his films are basically music movies. He's a musician first. Um, and Begin Again has Mark Ruffalo and Kira Knightley. Um, and it's, it's super polished, and it's very much Hollywood compared to the other two films. But... It has the coolest visualization of a musician's mind I've ever seen. And um, Mark Ruffalo is a music producer. And Keira Knightley is performing at a, at a bar, just acoustic, right? But uh, it's like an open mic, so there's like other instruments around her. And uh-huh. Ruff- Ruffalo is pulled into the song. And we start seeing from his perspective, um, he starts orchestrating the other instruments. And they start playing themselves. Wild and it's so awesome because you, you, as they start playing, you hear them, but it's just like I'm like, oh my god, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. That's the to me, the movie's fine, but that scene is worth watching if nothing else. But uh, fantastic, yeah, just uh, not to go away from Almost Famous. Almost Famous is fantastic too. Cameron Crowe film, um, possibly one of my favorite Cameron Crowe films, and um, obviously it's it's one of yours. 
Did you want to know the other two movies that of the five? I do because I I'm drawing a blank and I hate that I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> High Fidelity was one of them. Mm. Oh my god, that's what inspired this podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. I, so as soon as you, you I kind of started tuning into it. I'm like, that seems familiar. Yeah. Um, uh, and the wall. I mean, the wall is kind of a classic ah. mu- movie. You know, music movie that you almost have to watch once at least to kind of get the feel to to know what it's, you're doing with it. But I, I am going to go off on a slight tangent before I get the one. Sure. Um, I'm going to tell you that there's a movie called Frank that you should watch. It is also another music movie. No, uh, hold on, it. stop. Because uh, one, I have seen it. It's one of Corey's favorite oh, okay. movies. But more importantly, at South by Southwest announced today is a documentary. About the guy. Do you know it's a real person? Yeah, Frank. Side, uh, Frank Bottom. S- side bottom. Side bottom. bottom. Yeah. Yeah. No idea it was a real person, dude. Until today. Yeah. Well, it, it's embellished. It's quite yes. embellished. If yes. You, if if I, I actually did a little research on him before because I saw that it was that it was said something about loosely based on, and I looked it up before the movie, and I kind of wish I wouldn't have because it it I think I lost a little bit of the uh, embellishment. Mm. Uh, knowing what he what he truly was before, I love the movie. The movie is fantastic. The uh, and I think Fastbender is very very unappreciated in that movie. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, the fact that a guy like Fastbender would do a movie wearing a paper mache head for ninety percent of it is insane. Oh, <laughs> uh, but that last scene where he comes into the bar and he starts singing to the wall. Jeez, uh-huh. man, well, talk about chills. <laughs> well, and you have Donald Gleason uh, is one of his earlier right. roles. And then the director, whose name I'm not going to remember, is the same director from Room with Brie Larson and, uh, and Jacob Tremblay. Abramson. Um, a- 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 yes. And, I mean, Frank is a completely different movie tonally than Room. But, yep, completely. But, my God, and uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal in that film, too, yep. is, is one of her best performances. Um, yeah, she's she's really good in that. I, 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 I hate when she takes front stage, and I think she didn't in this one. She really kept herself back. And I really, really appreciated that from her. She was a good actress when she stays in the back. Yeah, not everyone should be lead. Um, for sure. <laughs> and but, uh, yeah, Frank definitely uh, one listeners you need to check out. At last I knew it was on Netflix. I don't know if it still is or not, but so number one's going to be very much a letdown probably for you. Um, it, it's one that has been kin to my heart for since I've seen it when I was I was probably in my early twenties when I saw it the first time and has stuck with me. Character-wise, story-wise, movie, film-wise, um, and fight scenes and everything, but it's the 1950 version of Cyrano de Bergerac really? with uh, Jose Ferrer. Yeah. Um, I read the play. I read the play that uh, Rostan wrote for the person Cyrano de Bergerac, and obviously he embellished a lot. Um, made the fight scenes a lot more exciting. Made you know the the in, interactions between him and the female lead m- much more inner, you know, much more loving and, and deep. But the movie itself has just been a mainstay for me every time. I, I feel that I want it to be f- that when I feel that I need my heart pulled, when I need my action side pulled, that movie is the movie I will put on. Wow. Um, yeah, it's I that's why I said I I've led you up to to you know a bunch of movies that are kind of recent and that we probably share but Cyrano de Bergerac is definitely one of my favorite stories and one of my favorite movies even even the black and white version in fact it was remade not long after well in 1990 92 with um Gerard Depardieu and it was horrible it was just a really horrible remake of it 
Um, it actually was an old movie, I think in the thirties as well, if I'm not mistaken, but the one from 1950 has been the one that's really stuck to me. Well, um, I mean, I'm familiar with the story of Serenade de Bergiac, partly because yeah. of the Steve Martin film Roxanne, <laughs> Roxanne. <laughs> um, which I saw as a kid with my mom, and I have always remembered it. And then it's been—I mean, the idea of like the poet, like you know, yep. hiding the poet element—and it's been replicated tons of times by different cartoons yes. and stuff. So definitely familiar with the story. I, I've never seen the film though. Um, yeah, the '50s version is very—I mean, it's it's definitely a period movie. It, it's a period movie in a time when movies were. Um, over the top. I mean, you're talking mm-hmm. about you know Errol Flynn type movies where the action is brought up by the the have the the rise in music and but the the action scenes are really good in this movie. The the sword fighting scenes are amazing and they're choreographed really well for the time frame and stuff. Um, yes, the the Roxanne version is actually really good. I love the the um Steve Martin's playing the part he plays it perfectly in fact if if they were going to do a full redo of it i would love to have seen him in it but yeah the original one's what sticks for me um i mean i i have an honorable mention oh yeah definitely that that kind of sticks around that and i'll 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 just kind of throw it out there that um i'd mentioned kurosawa before and Mm. i i I own a lot actually three of his criterion versions of his movies and rashomon is one of them um for obviously for the story, the um, so I don't know if you're familiar with the story, but basically there's four characters that tell their story of what happened in an incident from different point of views. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm oh, I've it's literally I'm looking at the case right now, sitting on my TV. Um, I've had it for a couple <laughs> of weeks. I've been meaning to get to it, and I've not gotten to it. But um, I I'm familiar with that because it is one of the earliest examples of nonlinear storytelling. Um, right, exactly. And it's interesting because I, I, the first thing I noticed about episode eight was the fact that they took that idea and put it to um, Luke's interaction with Kylo Ren. Oh, and what happened in yes. the in the uh, the group is they took it from three different point of views. They took it from what he thought Luke's was what Luke thought his was and then what it really was. And, and as soon as I saw the third one, I'm like, they're using Rashomon's idea right there. And I mean, it's a little less blatant because Rashomon is built around really four parts to the movie. And then a a closing Mm -hmm. where it is, it's start to finish. They tell the exact story from different point of views, you know, front to back, and then they move to the next one. So it's not exactly that way, Mm -hmm. but as soon as it came up in episode eight, I'm like, man, they're just they're showing a story from different point of views with different outcomes, and it's 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 that whole thing right there. I mean, that that if anything, that's Ryan Johnson channeling Lucas because Lucas took Hidden Fortress, um, which is exactly film. Yep, so yeah, he I did. Mean, <laughs> um, it, it's a, it's the right Star Wars is inspired by the samurai films of Akira Kurosawa, so why not? Yeah. So yeah, that's that's really cool. I didn't I I definitely noticed the perspective thing. I didn't think about where he would have pulled from. So that's that makes a lot of sense. So, so I know we've talked for a really long time and I actually, when, when I did this, I was actually going to trick you and tell you that I had a top five scenes in movies list Ooh. that I was going to give you. Um, there are scenes in movies that have really stuck out to me and made a specific feeling in me and they've stuck with me. Like I can tell you those scenes. I can tell you the details and all those scenes. I'm going to give them to you really quick. Okay. And I only do this because 
uh, one of our podcasts a few ago was picking a part of a song and actually saying that this is the part of the song that sticks out to us. Uh-huh. Um, the World According to Garp, the airplane flies into the side of the building, crashes into the house, and they're looking at this house to buy it. Oh. And he goes, we'll take it. And his wife goes, are you crazy? A cra- plane just crashed into this building. And he says, do you know what the odds of another plane crashing into this house are <laughs> stuck with me forever. Um, the, the wake up scene in the matrix that there, I don't need to even go over that one again. Right. Yeah, no, but that's a great scene. So, uh, the opening shot and the narration from the road warrior, because it harkens back to the Mad Max version of Max. And then it kind of fades into the new road warrior version of Max. Mm-hmm. And George Miller has a great, great ability to do that with movies and just fantastic opening scene chase scene in that one um chris pine and smoking aces the scene where he comes in (laughs) where they they drive in and basically kill the team that you've been looking at for going to you've seen the movie yeah i have i'm trying to like it has been i've seen it once i own it um (laughs) so um he's one of the skinhead group Okay. And they come in and wow. and they wipe out. Um, well, what's his name? Um, ben Affleck. Okay. And and the other, and then and, and the other two guys. And then they came in and they just open fire on him. And then Chris Pine jumps on his chest and starts talking to to him and moving his mouth so he's talking back to him. Oh man, I think I, I remember that scene. <laughs> I didn't put together that it was Chris Pine. That's crazy. I didn't either until I went back and watched it, and I'm like, what? That's Chris. Fine. That's it, really weird. It's Steve uh, Trevor talking to Bruce Wayne too. Uh, just to... <laughs> it is good point. Um, and then the last scene is I, I, I'll make this really quick. In Seven Samurai, the original, I own the mm-hmm. Criterion Collection. There's a scene where the two guys are trying to hire samurais. They're talking to these guys, and these guys are just making fun of these two, you know, weak, feeble guys, and they're trying to pay them with rice. And the two guys dump the the rice out of the guy's hand and they're so poor and downtrodden that this guy this old man is down and picking up single pieces of rice and putting them back into his hand one at a time and that scene is just so telling of Mm -hmm. everything that has to do with movies at that point and to think that kurosawa went hey i want you to pick up that rice no 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 stop I want you to pick it up one rice piece at a time and put it in your hand. Just insane. Sorry. I, I, no, I, I had to get that off my chest. <laughs> I, you know, I always knew you like movies. I, I didn't realize the extent, I don't think, until the, uh, tonight. <laughs> and I, I love it because um, I, I went through, you know, I was determined to be a, a famous musician. That was my goal for the longest time. Hey, and, me too. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, but part of it, like, I always loved movies as much as I love music, but I never considered – I knew I wasn't an actor. And because that's what right. I looked at, I never thought about what I could do behind the scenes. I was always thinking, I'm not an actor, so I can't do movies. And the realization didn't come until I was way too – like, I mean, at this point, I guess I could still do something. But I am very content just talking and, and teaching film. Um, but yeah. I, I definitely didn't dedicate as much time – to studying it when I was growing up. Now I've, that's what I spend all my time doing. But, um, you know, there's so many things that I, I wish I had 
uh, more time with. Like I wish I'd seen Kurosawa way earlier than I did, and I'm still I'm yeah. like I still haven't seen Rashomon or Yojimbo, which I own all three of I own Seven Samurai as well on Criterion, and um, I, I just you know I'm so blown away by so many films that I've skipped. Like I we just watched Chinatown recently, which I loved. Uh, oh man, what a great movie! Uh, yeah, Ooh. I wish it wasn't Roman Polanski, but you know I love I know the movie so much. Um, yeah, and. Yeah, but um, it's been great, Craig. I'm, it was great yeah. catching up with you. Um, those are our top or his top five movies. I don't have to do anything for these episodes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, you can follow us on social medias. I'm at uh, Burke Reviews, and Craig, where can people follow you? So I'm at Contrast Band on Twitter or at Craig underscore Cybert on Twitter. The second one is actually for my learning development stuff, but I, I post some interesting stuff on there. The first is actually for more um, game, movie, yeah, recording stuff. And you want to uh, tell your blog address? Yes. So I actually have a WordPress blog, which I just closed, and I'm going to reopen again because I didn't think about saying <laughs> that. But it's actually where, it's actually where I house my, our, our uh, music musing podcast so you can go there and, and check out some of the um some of the ones we've done in the past and they'll slowly be added to the uh, uh to iTunes. The iTunes version mm-hmm. but it's cyber design s y b e r d e s i g n dot wordpress.com um it's actually a side business that i had doing logo design but i've kind of turned it into more of a industry and fun blog for writing about music and talking about music but that's where you can find me if you guys want to hit me up awesome and craig thank you so much for being on the episode um, it was a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks uh, for inviting me. Yes, sir. Uh, everybody listening, thank you. Um, we are every week. We have a new episode of Top Five Movies, either with an interview or with uh, Mike, Corey, and I giving our top five list. And then please listen to Burke Reviews Movie Club. Um, until next time, have a good one. Yeah.